Emma and I just went out for a walk, like in rain that was bad when we set off, and it was torrential by the time we got to the end of the drive. It yeah. was so bad. Yep. That's, that's... Like, I was wearing dungarees that went from like a light blue to a deep navy. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> yeah, it looked like I'd like piss my pants all over my body. <laughs> I think oh. we'll start there. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much uh... <laughs> <The> recording. <laughs> hello, 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 and welcome to Stiff Up a Lip Podcast, the NFL podcast by Brits. We are in partnership with Gridiron Extra, and we are returning for our third season. So, yeah, on we begin with me, Ed. Me, Emma. I'm Sam. I'm Max Saito. And I'm Tom. Alright, welcome in. We uh, have a whole bunch of shit to talk about, but the main story of the episode today is Emma's back! Hey! (laughs) She's talking back. My wife-to-be, back in the building. How's it going? It's just what I wanted, nice, subtle, nobody referencing it. You're not going to get that. It's been a it's been a, a hot minute since uh, since you've shown your face around these parts, and in your time away, it's become a barren wasteland. So structure has oh, well, returned. That, that might be the nicest thing you've ever said. To me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should how... go away for months on end more often. <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing, Emma? I'm okay. I've uh, yeah, I've been. I mean, honestly, you're catching me on a weird day, but overall, I'm doing all right. Lovely. Got got a new job. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, it's not that new now, but um, new for the you, listeners. You know, but for the listeners, it's new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm doing all right. Pandemic and all. Yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah. How's Samson? That's what I really want to know. Oh, uh, he's fine. I think he's upstairs napping with Beth right now. It's sort of a routine tradition that Beth goes for a nap while I record these episodes and the dog joins her. So I assume that that's where he is. I mean, it's what I usually do when it's recording. So. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Striker. <laughs> these women. <laughs> the boys do things, the women yeah. sleep. I've often said naps are too feminine. <laughs> there's there a very weird, some weird standpoint to take here, Ed. But yeah, well, let's you... think. We we need to conquer sleepers, man. Women can go and have a nap. <laughs> it needs to be a, a feat of strength for us to sleep. <laughs> Unless I'm, I'm like jo- conked out for the next eight hours, I am I am not satisfied with my sleep. These poxy forty minute naps, no chance. It's all about strength and. Hours and endurance. And sleep stamina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how are you doing, Ed? Um, I'm I'm all right. I'm yeah, happy to be happy to be here. Uh, you know, plenty to discuss. That's a bit lame of me, but that's that's the truth. I'm fine. Yeah. How are you, Thomas? Uh, I'm 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 all right. I'm I'm ready to get into these games. Yeah, you're ready to dive in. Ready to dive in, and where better place to start than over here? They had a game in this country for fuck's sake. It's been two <laughs> years, and it was god awful. I know. Blair sent me a message saying you've had no live NFL in England for two years, and we give you the Jets. I'm so sorry. 
And those Jets <laughs> lost 20 to 27 <laughs> against the Falcons in a clusterfuck of a game. I I must admit, I didn't catch the end of this because I went bowling. That was how little I cared about this game by the second half. Well, I mean, it was the midway through the third quarter that the Jets finally got off the plane and made it a game. <laughs> so it got exponentially better when you went bowling, but yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy for the fans who got to see Matty Ice play because it might be one of the last times, might be one of the last opportunities you'll get to see Matty Ice play. So, especially in the UK. So that was really fun, but the game itself was damp. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> just based off of the sort of first quarter alone, I just um, I had I don't think I could summarize it any better than the meme that I shared on the sub Twitter account, which was Thomas had never seen such a mess, and it was the Thomas the Tank <laughs> Engine gif, and that was basically <laughs> it for the first half for me. Nobody could stop anyone on the Jets. Nobody could. Cordell Patterson had a concussion scare and then came back and was yeah. distinctly Cordell Patterson again. It was just nobody could learn anything about either of these two teams. But no, it was this, bloody this good to really, have it back. Yeah, this this game really taught us nothing. Yeah, it. it taught it taught me you one can't thing. Take anything from it. <laughs> it taught me one thing, which is that the the uh, Falcons are really misusing Cal Pitts. Yeah, because <laughs> they used him for the first time, and he racks up like 114 yards and a touchdown. Like he balled and out, yeah. and it's a pinch of salt because it's against the Jets. But like, it's clear. Like, give him give him the wide receiver route tree to one. Like, let him let him focus less on being a tight end and more on being a pass catcher right now, and those dividends will come to you early. Hmm. Um. The sort of only thing that uh, will hurt for the Falcons is that um, Calvin Ridley didn't even make the trip over. Uh, I don't know what the exact reason is, but if it's an injury reason, then they've got a bye week next week, so that's cool. It's an undisclosed personal circumstance is the reason that Calvin Ridley didn't sue up and didn't make the flight. He doesn't like rain. <laughs> if he doesn't disclose it, that's what I'm going with. Yeah, he doesn't like rain, doesn't like fish and chips. Doesn't like Te- actual state-of-the-art stadiums built in the last five years. Ooh. 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 <laughs> Can we all agree that the Mercedes-Benz Stadium does look a little bit like a gaping uh, asshole when it's got the roof open? It's it's not a good stadium. The roof is... Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah alright, it looks a bit like a butt. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, what we're that? taking from this Carl Pitts is great The stadium, lo- their stadium usually looks like a butt yeah and Tottenham well, Hotspur's stadium is great fucking yes. beautiful it is we went, um, we went for the London games in 2019 mm-hmm. amazing like the best stadium I think I've ever been to so we're good we're certainly up there I mean you have been to Hillsborough so that's a big statement but in terms of just like you know your comforts, yeah. like Hillsborough is like going into the trenches. Like you, you've got a, <laughs> if you want a drink, you take it yourself. Right? <laughs> Whereas at Tottenham, I felt like there would have been a butler service if I'd asked for it. Quite possibly. Um, 
What did everyone think of the halftime show? Because I saw H was twen- uh, trending on Twitter and again, I went bowling, couldn't see it, but everyone was bitching about it, said that it gave a bad account of the UK. I've never really been much of a fan of H. Unfortunately, I realised that I've asked two people who also probably aren't fans of H. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, I, H from Steps? I, no. No. I learnt of his existence from the press release of this game. And honestly <laughs> said... <laughs> I can honestly say that the the amount of the H um, gig I watched was a moment of missed coverage where it just like did a wide shot of the stadium and he was just there like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I didn't I didn't watch the halftime show, but if it wasn't H from Steps, I can tell you it was disappointing. I I would say that a large number of our listenership isn't aware of who H from Steps is. I don't know. I mean, we seem to have a pretty sizable contingent. Um, I think people know. People know. You know, he's pretty famous. So, hey Emma, Emma, yeah. there is a dog in view. I mean, Tom's just Tom's just frozen, but there is a dog. Yeah, I mildly moved my camera and it didn't like it. Sorry about this. No, it's okay. It seems to it seems to have I'm a real to... hissy fit the moment that anything touches it. Um. So I was just gonna say. Uh, do you want to hear a fun fact about the Jets game? Yeah, absolutely. Facts are um, best when they're fun. Uh, Cordaro Patterson had almost as many yards at halftime as the entire Jets offense combined. That doesn't surprise they had, me. They had 80 and he had 76. Also doesn't surprise me. Uh, go Cordaro. <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> at what point did the... The Jets realise that it's just like a whole franchise issue. Like I thought it was just Adam Gase, but it turns out they're rotten to the core in every way, shape, and form. Because Robert Seller hasn't been able to, to adjust this. Yeah. No, they just... don't know what to do. Any, they don't know what football is anymore. Yeah, it's almost like they don't play the same sport as everyone else, and they haven't done for the past fifty years. But this is the thing, because like they have, uh, they have these like seedlings of growth, and you think, oh, Quinn and Williams, here's a guy who could make a difference. I mean, it wasn't high on Zach Wilson, but like, oh, here's a franchise-changing player, Robert Salah. Here's a franchise-changing head coach, and then they come out and deliver the same thing, and you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I thought that they'd made some decent moves by like getting Carl uh, Lawson. Obviously, a couple of years ago, they got C.J. Mosley. Marcus May had played well. Absolutely, Bryce Hall is a good cornerback. Yeah, and absolutely none of it is mattering to anything to do with whether or not this team can win games. Like the Titans must have been abysmal to let this team win this game last week. So just an absolute mess. Um, If you're listening, any Jets fans, we're sorry. Um, not for what we're saying, but just for the pain that you're experiencing. Yeah, we're just we're just sorry, sorry yeah. for your loss. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, let's move what away. What was the from... score of this game? Just I... before we move away, I said that it was a twenty-seven twenty. Yeah. Did you? Oh, yeah. okay. Thank you for disrupting the flow, Edward. I'm sorry. <laughs> just keeping everyone honest. I'm just keeping everyone honest because I always forget, so I assume that everyone else has forgotten. It's all right. Um, okay, let's uh, let's head over to Houston. Where the Patriots won twenty-five to twenty-two against the Texans, and it wasn't clean sailing for uh, Bill Belichick's man as the Texans. Definitely not. 
almost snuck this one away. Ooh, um, it was a tasty game to begin with. Like there was a lot of there was a lot of window dressing in this game that made it quite fun, right? The Texans romped out to an early lead, and then the Patriots sort of came back. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us were expecting the Texans to go out such an early lead, but once they did, I think everyone expected the Patriots to roll back. Um, yeah, Davis Mills finally looked competent to a degree, like he was he was getting the ball out. Yeah, but Mac Jones was great again. He is the most pro-ready of these five rookie QBs that were taken in the first round. Is it just me that thinks that Davis Mills play, like outplayed Mac Jones throughout this whole game? Like, Mac Jones was steady, and therefore is probably more pro-ready, but <laughs> Mac Jones also didn't deliver any of when near the amount of highlight plays and actual just brilliant throws that Davis Mills had. I mean, there was the one where Davis Mills is scrambling outright, throws a corker about 28 yards downfield, hits his receiver, who, in a mid-pirouette, pulls it down and takes it all the way to the house for a touchdown. That Davis- was very nice. Was that one of the Chris Moore catches? It the was. guy who exploded? Yeah. And, like, Davis Mills had a fantastic game. And, I mean, I'm I'm happy to agree with you in the fact that Mac Jones is definitely the most pro-ready out of everyone, like, week to week. But Davis Mills outplayed him for shine. He outplayed him for... Put a little bit of a spritz on this game. And really... It was more exciting to watch. Yeah. Which, I think, after decades of Patriots playing with sort of bland, but uh, very capable, competent, and incredibly good at keeping hold of the ball quarterbacks I'm kind of hoping that Mac Jones delivers a little bit more sizzle in some point but maybe this is just the Belichickian way I think he's just he's literally just all steak he has has (laughs) sizzled us other things of note about this game yeah uh, have a day Chris Moore Um, last touchdown was in 2018 he had over 100 yards receiving to yesterday, so well done to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the score of this one? Uh, 20, 25 to 22. I, I we should it. say that Houston were leading for well over half of this oh, game. Houston were like the dominant force for a lot of this game. Just like They looked like they were just running rings around them. And then, as probably only Bill can do... He just seemed to like completely change up the strategy halfway through the game, and it worked. As soon as they started to like stress the linebackers by like hitting, trying to hit the tight ends, trying to hit the running backs, sort of like trying to stress them laterally, that's when they got most of the success. But, At um, what point do we need to be slightly concerned about Damian Harris's fumbles issue? Because this is again a key fumble cost well could have cost the Patriots it happened on the goal line literally as he's about to go in for a score another fumble they lost against the Dolphins on the last drive of the whole game because of a Damian Harris fumble Belichick is going to get real pissy with him very soon and with James White out I'd assume he already had to be honest I assume that Bill screams at them (laughs) every day I mean the the thing was that we were looking at Damian Harris at the start of the year saying this guy could be the first 
like true number one three down back the Patriots have had in ages and Bill is going to be so pissed off with the amount of fumbles. The problem is that fumbles are one of technique, strength and concentration, right? Mm-hmm. That's Those are the three things that cause a fumble. And it's not strength because Damien Harris is clearly very strong, which means it's technique or concentration and that's the problem. Yeah. And you sort of want it to be technique over concentration because if he's not able to concentrate on the goal line, then that's that's <laughs> bad news. Um, yeah. So hopefully Damien Harris can sort of cut the fumbles out. It's it's a, it's a sort of tough league for running backs to keep this position if they start showing signs of being fumble prone. You know that it's basically next man up at that point. And Bill Belichick especially, if you make a mistake in a Belichick offense... You're buried forever. Yeah. Traded to the Rams like, for a fifth round pick. If you can't be pick. trusted, if you can't be trusted, that's it. Yeah. You're out. Uh, he only had loyalty to Brady, and Brady's gone. So. Exactly. <laughs> everything else is in. Uh, everything else is disposable in this Patriots team, including his son. So. Mm-hmm. Let's let's keep an eye on that one. Let's uh, continue to steam Please. steamroll some of these games that we learned very little about. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles beating the Carolina Panthers on the road, twenty-one to eighteen. This was another absolute mess of a game, from what I saw of it. Yeah. Neither quarterback I, uh, played remotely good football. Well, I had so I have Jalen Hurts in our fantasy league. For half a game, he got two point nine six fantasy points. Like, <laughs> and then it dropped it down to two point five six for a while. Yeah. It, and then he did something where he lost some yards, and I was like, he might go into negative here. Like, it's he's playing that badly. And then the second half, he just lit up and played incredibly and got almost 23 fantasy points. So, I, mm-hmm. yeah, it, he really just, like, turned it all around and drove them to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... This was this was the sort of the Wilkins doubt derby, <laughs> right? Sam Darnold and Jalen Hurts, and I come away. I came away thinking my praise for Darnold last week was unfounded, and my criticisms of uh, Jalen Hurts, I still think they're accurate. Like, do it for a whole game, and maybe we'll talk. Yeah, to be fair, your pre-week two of this season self would have been absolutely delighted with how poor both of these guys looked uh but after <laughs> having glory eaten, in them as you, you definitely ate your words last week and have now been able to spew them all out again because sam donald i'm eating a hell of a lot of humble pie about this guy it was an awful <laughs> showing last week was a little bit maybe on the fact that trevon diggs made two good plays this week with three bad picks from donald and uh mm. Killed the Panthers, really, because Chuba Hubbard had a great game, getting over 100 rushing yards. He's looked a real stud replacing CMC in that offense. It's just... Oh, it's... It's rough. I think it's frustratingly bad, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. The Cowboys have given everyone a blueprint of how to beat that Panthers defense, which was looking really strong as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you've Mm. got to use their aggression against them. Offensively, they didn't really do anything. Uh, I mean, like, good on the Eagles for winning. Because, you know, most people didn't think that they would. And 
good on Jalen Hurts. Like he made some really great plays in order to get them back into the game to win it. But just why wouldn't you start that way? <laughs> Nobody knows why? what anything goes on in Philadelphia. Like those guys are just sort of off in a whole different universe all the time. I've been to Philadelphia. It's it's not like anywhere I've ever been before. It's lawless. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the, the Wild West. <laughs> it's the Wild West with a concrete jungle backdrop. Oh. <laughs> All right. Let's move on again. Um, we're going to move on to the first one of our podcast teams. We're going to talk about those Minnesota Vikings who won in slightly less convincing oh. fashion. A 1917 victory over the winless Detroit Lions. Which is uh, exactly what happened when the Detroit Lions played the Ravens. Yeah. Well, that same scoreline, exact same situation. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if we can't, we've got no chance of the playoffs if we can't beat a team like Detroit more convincingly than we did. Like, um, I was saying to Emma, actually, Kirk gets the plaudits because he had 37 seconds left. On his own fifteen-yard line to get to get, to score three points out of that drive, hats off to him. But it was the first real thing of note he'd done since the Madison touchdown pass in the second quarter. Again, another another game that you could generously describe as damp. Mm-hmm. I think that the Lions are playing incredibly hard, but with an extreme lack of quality, and it showed against the Vikings and it showed against the Ravens last week as well. They have the their moments. You know, like they pick some, they'll do something great in a game. They'll have a drive where you'll think, oh, like maybe this is when they turn it around and then they just never quite do it. The Lions to me are like the epitome of the fourth quarter uh, interest and absolutely everything else is irrelevant. It's like watching a basketball game wherein you only really, really have to pay attention to the final 10 minutes or so of a basketball game because that's where all of the excitement can happen. The Detroit Lions basically play games where three quarters remain forgotten largely by everyone who's had to watch them. And then they produce like some moment of drama, be it the late comeback against the Niners in week one, the Justin Tucker record-breaking kick last week, the taking the lead out of absolutely nowhere and then having the Vikings break their hearts on a field goal. It's... It's so very forgettable for three quarters of everything that the Lions do right up until the end where it ends in defeat. So, um, oh, did yeah, anyone I mean, see that Dan have, Campbell like... was uh, crying in the conference afterwards because of just how much heartbreak that he's got a yeah. lot more of that, that to come from so Detroit? Sad, yeah, That's sad because it's not gonna stop. It's not. Like, this is just the beginning. <laughs> this is only week five, man. <laughs> you've got another 12, you've got three more months of this, and, and it's then, not going to get any better. How long's his contract? Oh, I don't know. Is it is it a two-year contract for Dan Campbell? It might be. I'm not saying this because I think that the Lions should get rid of him, because I actually think that they've been largely much better than I was expecting for the fact oh, that they've if, actually stuck you know, around in some of these games. Like, I'm not going to lie. The defence, despite being beat up and and basically without any talent on it whatsoever, have held well, the Ravens exactly, and Vikings like, to under 20 points. Like, it's come down to, like, game-winning uh, field goals. If you've got a guy in Detroit that cares enough still 
and has enough hope in his heart that he will cry when they lose. You keep him because nobody else has that. It's actually, yeah, it's fair enough. I think Dan Campbell probably endeared himself more to me, the fact that he showed a fair amount of emotion at the fact that the Lions have lost in this heartbreaking fashion. Um, yeah. I mean, imagine imagine losing on a field goal to the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> imagine how cursed your franchise must be to lose in that fashion to us. I, think I mean, either... they are like competing on some level. Like, it might only be in the fourth quarter, but they're making you work for it on some level some of the time, which is more than they were doing before. So keep him around. Anything else of any note to add in this game whatsoever? Um, Obviously, there was uh, (laughs) Kirk's exuberant snuggle with Mike Zimmer on the touchline. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, where he, like, shoved him. A very feisty you like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get the you like that as a sound clip? <laughs> I will try my best to get I that love one that he, for the he next just episode. does it when it's completely not warranted. Like, to yeah. scrape a win against the Lions is not something to brag about. <laughs> I, I, uh, the problem is, right, the thing we... The thing about this game is that if you can't win games like this for the Vikings, win, lose, or draw, you're kind of hosed. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't do it comfortably. So we've got a bounce-back game against the Panthers next week. We could potentially go 3-3. Three and three. But then after that, have you seen the Vikings schedule? Uh, let me let me read the Vikings schedule to you one second. So I, I know we've got Panthers and we've got a bye week. I think... You know when we, did, we saw that thing before the season started where they, like ranked how hard everyone's schedules were. Yeah, the Steelers and Ravens had the hardest and then it was the Vikings and Bears. No no Bears and then Vikings. Right. I'm it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. All right. So that after got So we've it, got yeah. the Panthers Panthers then a bye and then the next four games are the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Chargers and the Packers. And then the Niners, the Lions, the Steelers, the Bears. So like it gets it does get considerably easier from there, but yeah, I wouldn't say in current form that the Ravens are too. I mean, maybe for a team that like yeah, okay, <laughs> it depends on who you are, but just in the grand scheme of the league, they're not like a top five. Oh shit, this is going to be awful. No, but the other three are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you don't really want to be coming in there against the against the Ravens at any point when they could be just as frisky as like playing the Chiefs right now. You don't want to, even though they're on yeah. sort of poor form compared to what they could be. You still don't want to take that risk just in case they do run up the score, which yeah. they could feasibly do. Anyway, let's uh, let's carry on, move on. Also, welcome in Max. We introduce Max. Yeah. yeah, Max is here. How's Hi, everyone. Sorry for being late. It's uh, off-set inspection week at work, so Ouch. it's basically going to be like a live in hell for the next week. But after that, it'll be fine. Nice. Yeah. Fair enough. Looking to get it out there in the big spot. All right. <laughs> um, let's talk about another game that I don't think anyone really learned anything about, and that's going to be the Saints 33, Washington football team 22. Jameis Winston played probably the most Jameis Winston game of football I've seen out of Jameis Winston since Jameis Winston's other games this season. 
He keeps getting more and more Jameis as the weeks go by, and I think that Sean Payton's just going, ah, fuck it. Let's just uncork this monster. Well, the problem is that without Taysom Hill... Well... Like, all he he has now is Jameis. Yeah, he's he's hamstrung by the bakery himself. It's... I mean, the Saints threw a Hail Mary in the first half. And it it worked! It was a beautiful catch from Marcus Callaway, but like, I mean, if it wasn't him, it'd have been three other Saints players. Like, Washington needs to have a good look at themselves on that one because mm-hmm. that that one should have been defended all day. But props to the Saints for doing it. I thought I thought Washington played poorly in this game. Like Heineke, especially, didn't have a bad game himself, but there were a couple of throws that he really undersold one was the pick and the other one was the um one where he put it behind the receiver for the other pick mm-hmm. so i think Why that are they playing the chiefs next week who the wft yeah that's probably a win based on the chiefs current form well yeah you never know <laughs> depends how many times the chiefs turn into a turnovers like turn into a yeah, turnover they factory they're playing the chiefs next week I mean, they're definitely not going to be playing a defense as sort of stout as the Saints one was for most of this game. If I'm being completely honest, like outside of like the Antonio Gibson rushing touchdowns, there weren't really very much. There wasn't really very much sort of pressure on the Saints apart from after they'd already run up the score and. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like Washington don't have a defense either, so I'll be interested to see. I don't know. Maybe like the Chiefs. Will get a bit of uh, respite, and they'll like get a bit of confidence from the fact that, that Patrick Mahomes can just absolutely walk all over them. It's a good point, actually. What's happened to the Washington defense? Because before the season, sort of everyone had them pinned down as like maybe a top eight unit, as like one of the best front yeah. sevens in all of football, and they're they're flat. Outside of like yeah. Chase Young getting pressure, but. What uh, got pointed out to me by the Washington football fan that I actually I'd speak to pretty much every Sunday is um, the downside of Chase Young is that because he's always going around the outside, every quarterback steps up into the gap that he leaves and is able to get like an extra few seconds of time to sort of read defences. And it's like, it's not on Chase Young, but there's nobody else there to sort of fill that gap. He sets the edge and nobody's actually filling it in. There's no, there's nobody else. Well, this is the thing. They they have a, a front four, a front seven that's full of first round picks. Right, we're talking Duron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. Like, these are all guys with high draft pedigree. And it's a worry. It's a worry. Jamin Davis might take a little bit of time to bed in. Have I got the right one? Yeah, yeah, Jamin Davis might take a little bit of time to bed in. But they run a fairly a fairly NFL-ready offense at Tulsa, so he's been a little bit of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. I just... Maybe maybe there'll come a point where it'll click, right? I think I think I can see that. They just suddenly figure it out, like, week eight or something. Yeah. But until then, yeah, it's been a very disappointing start to the season. Week 8 is quite far in. <laughs> yeah, and as it keeps getting further and further into the season, the NFC East looks more and more likely that it's going to be wrapped up by that point because, uh, I mean, Washington fall to a 2-3 uh, and three record 
that could easily be two and four next week. The Cowboys are currently flying right now. The Eagles and Giants aren't going to cause them any issues, but that they won't get a wild card at that rate. So tricky. Yeah, one last point on this game as well actually is uh, after we're getting to the point of the season now where all of the big ideas that coaches had about what their team was going to look like over over the summer are kind of going out of the window and it's just time to lean on your best players and mm-hmm. uh, for the Saints I think yeah, they, as we implored them to last week they're really just letting Jameis Winston just chuck it and see what happens um, but they also targeted I think Kamara had his season high for catches in this game he really put the offense on his back and um Importantly for the Saints, I think Marshawn Lattimore, since getting paid, he's sort of returning to his rookie form. I think um, it was like Terry McLaurin was targeted eight times when covered by Lattimore and he caught the ball twice. So, uh, yeah. I mean, they need they need those guys to, to in order to be in the chance of like getting a wildcard spot, they really need those two guys to to be what they were early on in their careers. I mean, like, like Kamara hasn't ever really dipped, but Lattimore hasn't. I mean, he came into the league and people were thinking he was going to be the best cornerback in the league and he, he hasn't, he's been up there, but he hasn't quite lived up to it. So they need them to be at their absolute peak in order to carry the rest, like the respective side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, one just quick extra point is um, Taysom Hill left the game, as we've sort of alluded to, with sort of one of the worst hits of the uh, of the season thus far. I can't, for the life of me, remember the name of the WFT player who hit him, but... There was Bill, no ad- Billy Jackson the third. Oh, was it? Oh, it was. It was William Jackson the third. You're right. Um, he didn't yeah. leave the game with an ejection, but I thought that that would be the exact sort of play that they would sort of look to. It was very plan. reminiscent of the 49ers hit on um, Devontae Adams for me, like where he's laying out and they just sort of spears into the side of his helmet, which I would have thought would be the exact kind of thing that they were trying to cut out. So yeah. It, it was a stonewall ejection for me. I don't. I don't see unless unless it's like you don't see it as the refs. But even then, there's so many replays to show you what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, and the and obviously the guy lying there, yeah, like, unconscious. But as Pretty we've big seen, indicator that something terrible's happened, and that yeah, the, the NFL's really big on like pro- protecting QBs, so it's a little bit confusing that they would just kind of let that one go. Yeah, inconsistent officiating for the NFL. Like, yeah, I'm I'm shocked. Are you guys shocked to hear that? I'm. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was very surprised when I saw that the referees got this one wrong. <laughs> Come on, it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. It was a very difficult job to the best of their abilities. <laughs> the only thing, <laughs> the only thing that consistently gets missed more than extra points are refereeing calls. So, yeah, we know. I would quite like to see, like, I know that the statistics around, like, referee missed calls in, like, football are that they miss, like, an average seven decisions a game, which, when they're making, like, over a hundred a game, like, as it runs, then that's pretty pretty accurate, even though, like, we think that football refs are bad. I'd like to see how bad the NFL's refereeing is, based off of, like, how many decisions they get wrong per game. I don't know, because, like... For something like holding, for example, which they I get wrong every is, play, holding is almost impossible. If you're a referee, like that to me is very understandable because the line between holding and not holding is so blurred. Like yeah. because 
because of the way that you're tussling with a you know two big dudes tussling at the line that's that's hard to call but something like this should be pretty obvious right it's like his helmet hit his helmet and he couldn't protect himself in any way and it was you know the ball was not close and it was fairly late that should be that's one that's really hard to understand how they missed it like things like holding things like pass interference are subjective but that that shouldn't have been subjective maybe they're just really focused on taunting you know down on the The big the real big big issue yeah (laughs) if Taysom hill had gone up in a stupor and chucked the ball on the ground he would have been out of there faster than you could say Yeah, someone had just instead of <laughs> instead of hitting him in the helmet, if they just sort of walked up to him and said, "You are not very good at throwing that ball <laughs> out immediately." Gone. <laughs> I don't respect you or your value. <laughs> <laughs> How's the wives, Taysom? Immediate yellow flag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to again another game where I didn't really learn very much, but it was we're starting to sort of get through all of these like less useless games for us to actually learn anything. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely curb stomped the Miami Dolphins 45 to 17 at home. This was the exact sort of get right game after New England last week. Oh, um, it was in Miami. What? I Yeah, it was in Miami. No, it wasn't. It was in Tampa Bay. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they I... showed the pictures of the pirate ship. Yeah, uh... I tell you what, I I refuse to watch another. I refuse to watch another Dolphins game because their offense frustrates me so much. Not because it's talent poor, because we all know that, but because it's so unimaginative. It's mm. so bland, and it just frustrates the heck out of me. Like it was bland before they put when they had Tua in, right? And he had a whole offense to install. Sorry, he had a whole off-season to get their offense installed. And it feels like they've brought an even more vanilla version out of it for Brissette. And it's it was vanilla anyway. And it's just so turgid on the eyes. I hate it. He got hurt. Brissette got hurt in this game. Briefly, he went out with no... Because, uh... <laughs> remember, <laughs> Brissette is out of the game and Reed's in it. <laughs> you guys don't like my Reed's in it joke? No. <laughs> well, we'll move on swiftly then. So, yeah, so Sinnott was in the game, and, and up this game was like surprisingly close for a surprisingly long time. But it was one of those games where just one team clearly has so much more talent than the other. Antonio Brown in this game, um, he looked like peak of powers on Tate Brown. He had a touchdown where, I mean, he just like left. Like, <laughs> you could you could almost see him putting on the afterburners. And the the Dolphins just don't have the talent to keep up on either side of the ball. So I think in the preseason, I I thought that this might be exactly what happened to the Dolphins. Just like a mediocre team mired by subpar quarterback play. And it's it's panning out. They're probably one of the three or four worst teams in the league. I mean, even if Tua was in there, they might be more interesting, but I don't think they're better. Mm. No, I, I don't think there's much of a difference, like since they've been like playing without Tua to when they had him. I've I think not it's, really noticed. I think it's like it's too hard to call because we've not really seen Tua Tungavailoa like very much at all. He left the game so early on in week two, after like coming up against Bill Belichick in New England in week one, and it's like 
how do we how do we judge what tour is at this point when we've literally seen like probably a combined like fifteen quarters out of him over the course of two seasons? Like you, you have to hold you have to not like hold it against him per se, but you can only judge what's put in front of you, and he hasn't put much down on paper. And oh yeah, it's no. getting people in his career now where you're starting to think like maybe this isn't just bad luck. You know, it's it's been almost a season and a half. Maybe it's more emblematic of what's going to happen. Like Carson Wentz, for example. Mm. But you're not really thinking like, oh, he's on an extremely extended run of bad injury luck. At this point, that's kind of just who he is. Like, he's always going to be hobbled. So it's getting to that mm. point with Tua for me. Yeah. I mean, on the absolute reverse, Tom Brady had an incredible game. Um, Tom Brady might through... be his powers actually like a, a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he, yeah, threw it for four hundred over four hundred yards and five over five tu- five touchdowns in the same game, which mm-hmm. he's never done before. So, in the five thousand years he's been playing football, he found something <laughs> new to achieve. Yeah, it does. Nice. It did just feel a little bit like we were going to get a return of like. How players that we've sort of seen for our entire lives of watching this game have like come back to how they've been playing, and that's how the books have been this whole year. Like Rob Gronkowski's been unplayable when he's been on the field; like he literally dominates the red zone every single game. Tom Brady is playing out of his skin. Antonio Brown was back to his peak. I thought in this one, like yeah. that. That touchdown, like short completion that he turned on the Jets, and just like that was, that was probably the first time that I've seen him do that since maybe like 2016, 2017 era. It is an anti-aging conspiracy. That, like, yeah, like the come back like, in time, and, like plucked like, <laughs> the peak from history and just put them in. Here's twenty one. Here's the counterpoint to all that, though. Sorry, Max. Uh, He's the only person who's actually harvesting adrenochrome from young quarterbacks. <laughs> and <they're> injecting it. <laughs> he needs to share some with JPP. JPP is the only one old guy that's not performing. Yeah. It's a shame because I have him in one of our fantasy leagues on like a dynasty one with like individual defenders and I've immediately binned him off for Sam, Hub- uh, Sam Hubbard, which I think is probably the way better approach. What's funny about this game is that I actually don't think if the Bucks had the Bucks kind of stumbled into this score because they can't run the ball to close out games, they have to throw it. But because they were so good at throwing it, they kind of just scored a bunch of touchdowns by default. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if they had a better ground game, they probably would have preferred to chew up clock. Mm. Yeah, and, um, I'd go along with that. The last one I, I want to say is, is the Bucks did they needed this because they had a couple of uninspiring offensive performances, I would say. So maybe they were also just trying to run up the score so they could uh, have what Mike McCarthy would call a mojo moment. All right, mojo, Let's mojo moment. We're gonna get into uh, the next game that, in our preview show, Ed was so desperate to talk about, and what actually happened is what we were sort of expecting. The Tennessee Titans went out there and racked up 37 points on a hapless Jags team who only offered 19 in return. And uh, again, the Jags, it's its a lost season by a country mile, as we sort of expected it probably would be with Urban Meyer 
But this is their twentieth consecutive loss. They're not even uh, winning off the field now. Not satisfied with one and I. This is the, I. I just um, I thought that this game might have more interest than it did. I'm happy to be proven wrong on this one. Happy we didn't talk about it last week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, my, look, Derek Henry against the Jags isn't. It's not fair at this point. Like, it's so. It's such a one-sided fight that, like, anytime Derek Henry goes up against the Jags, you know he's gonna just like, like, just be chucking guys off. They don't know what to do. They don't. He must haunt them in their dreams. It's it's awful. What is it like? Isn't it like eight games, eleven hundred yards running, rushing against the Jets? Uh, it's like eleven games, eleven hundred, and like fifteen touchdowns. <laughs> 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 so it's like if, if you hold Derrick Henry, if the Jags hold Derrick Henry to a hundred yards and a touchdown, they did better than average. <laughs> Do you remember that game where he scored the um, the ninety nine? Mitch Holt says ninety nine yards. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where yeah, he was right. fucking throwing threw Miles Leon Jack. Jacob. He threw Leon, Leon <laughs> Jacobs up him about three times in one play. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. The other thing, the, the only other thing I think is worth mentioning in Tennessee is how, despite mediocrity around him, Harold Landry is having a, a quite a good season as an interior pass rusher. Like, or not moved him inside. So they've not moved him inside. Sorry, I mean um, an interior run defender and an outside pass rusher. Okay. Like they are, they are using him a lot in the run game in creative ways. Like he's kind of the flow guy, so he has been very, very effective against the run and is starting to be. I mean, I know he's on like season four now, starting to be as effective against the pass as he is against the run. So I think we could be talking about Harold Landry a bit more. Coming, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Harold Landry a little bit more going forward because he's good. He reminds me of um, he sort of reminds me of uh, Rashawn Gary, in that sense where he's and he he can, he's got all of the physical. He came in with like all the physical tools that you would be looking for, but he's just a bit raw. So yeah, to see him, I mean, I think he 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 could probably beat any lineman one on one. He just needs to bring it together a bit more, refine his game. He's what. I remember when he first came into the league and he had like like tremendous motor and he was like such an outside speed rusher, but he had no bend, so he just got like miles into the backfield. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on, That's me. on the Jags side of the ball, um, obviously there's the whole Urban Meyer controversy. We've we've sort of touched upon it mostly on Friday. Um, if you've not heard the vast majority of that. Go check that episode out because it's great. But um, there's not really any any additional advance on this other than the Jags look like a team who were not playing for their head coach already, which from what we've heard out of reports coming out of Jacksonville pretty much ever since last week happened was exactly what everyone was expecting. The fact that position groups were laughing at him when he explained his position to them is um well it's untenable to be honest and i think that we're probably going to see urban meyer be the first of these rookie coaches coming and getting fired i mean we thought it was going to be the first coach to leave his perch this year but it wasn't to be yeah <laughs> oh dear lord 
forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they asked, because um, they had, like, the Jags had this failed, like, fourth down attempt, and they asked Urban Meyer in a press conference afterwards, why didn't you run a QB sneak? And he was like, oh, tre- like Trevor Lawrence isn't very comfortable with that yet. And then they asked Trevor Lawrence, and he was like, no, I'm fine with that. Like, I'd, Ooh, I'd have been fine to do that. I've done lots of these. Like, Ooh. I'm totally fine. I was about to, like, <laughs> he wasn't exactly, like, a running quarterback, but I thought I always thought that Trevor Lawrence had, like, decent mobility back there. He's Deceptively six, athletic. Yeah. He's 6'5". Like, he's a big boy. Yeah, like... just have him sneak it. You don't even have to, you don't have to do a QB draw. It's, again, yeah, another, just another instance game, of... Urban Meyer talked about he he said he wanted the Jags to have a two fifty two fifty offense where every game they try and get two hundred and fifty rushing yards and two hundred and fifty passing yards, and like is that like, how NFL what, offenses like a, work? A couple of teams every season manage to get to two hundred and fifty rushing yards, and even at Ohio State, they like barely ever did it. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just like what I don't know. Maybe maybe he was just thinking like that's what we should be aiming for, like. Or maybe it's just a, a saying to try and illustrate the balance he wants to get. But maybe more it's, trying maybe for a, a fucking, fucking win a for a change. He's a prick. He's and, uh, so shit. I'm sick and tired of him right. being in the, the league already. Like I think I reckon the players just have like no respect for him because he preaches character all the time, and he's not a good character himself. So the players aren't going to buy into yeah. And yeah. he just and he doesn't provide a tactical advantage shit. of any sort. So. I mean, it's the train is off the tracks there, but yeah. And rather uh, than making a goal of like win a game, he makes these random goals about wanting like the passing and like rushing offense to have two hundred and fifty. And you're like, mate, just just win one, and then we'll start talking. <laughs> like, yeah. more specific. Like, no, no, no big picture. The only thing I would say is, if you're a Jags fan, you you should be happy at least that despite all of this, Trevor Lawrence is is looking pretty good. Like. He's obviously not in the best situation, but I mean, he had a couple more throws in this game as well. A couple more plays in this game, where you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, James Robinson it. had a good game, I thought as well. Like, I mean, I know that it was against one of the worst run defending teams in the entire league because the Titans can't stop anything. But mm. I don't like James Robinson having a good bright, game is fine. You never want to have your bright young offensive players being hindered by an absolute clown of a head coach. No. Right? Anyway, let's talk about the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, who will not be marred by a clown of a head coach anymore. (laughs) I was really making a joke about the other team in this game. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them make sense. But we're going to go to the Raiders because breaking news happened over the course of the last 24 hours. John John Gruden... Do we have a music spike for breaking news? Um, we probably will, but the only problem is, is because obviously my soundboard couldn't work for today. We don't have one anyway. So just do the uh, just do the uh, Raiders like co- uh, commentary guy, Raider. <laughs> <laughs> um, so breaking news coming out of Las Vegas: John Gruden. Three years into his 10-year monster deal has resigned as coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And the entire reason is because he was racist 10 years ago and was homophobic for basically the entire time leading up to 2018. His emails got leaked. 
some people are thinking that it's Mark Davis who's leaked them to get out of a you fucking make, ten you year You make it deal. sound like he was racist once in 2011. No. And he was homophobic. No, 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 no. But then in like 2018, he was like, you know what, actually, I'm over it now. I'm not homophobic anymore. No, my point yeah, the is latest. that it, it's, it was a 10-year span where there's comments of, yeah, of a racist, sexist, yeah. homophobic, just everything, everything. nature. Really it was just... a 10-year campaign to address all of the possible offence he could have caused. Like, if, And it's been a real if, success. If the Raiders were able to cause offence as well as John Gruden would, then they wouldn't have they wouldn't have missed out on the playoffs the last two years because this guy is <laughs> generating offense like he got <laughs> he got women he got like LGBTQ plus people he got racial minorities he got political protesters I mean he got, yeah. he got I, I don't know if he's transphobic but we can probably oh, we'll oh, yeah we'll yeah unless I see an email saying I'm um, I'm specifically everything else yeah put me down but I'm not transphobic. But, yeah, I, I don't think the guy's a great character. And he stepped down, which is... It is... I mean, <laughs> there's no point talking about conspiracy theories in this discussion, is there? Because it should be about just... I mean, because we said it, like, it's a little bit weird that he resigned because people in power are constantly caught doing this sort of thing and they never face any consequences. Nobody ever forces them to do it. So Well there's a slight know, develop- there's, there. there's a slight but, development yeah. on that, which is that um the Gruden sort of investigation has been made incredibly public, but there's also a league investigation into Dan Snyder right now for the exact same uh thing. So Yeah, I think we can pretty much draw conclusions on that before we even see the results. But I mean yeah. the, the yet again the WFT are winning off the field and the culture <laughs> I mean, it's what you have to remember is at the time the WFT had Jay Gruden on the staff. That's true. <laughs> it's Honestly, it's like there's a there's a fucking team on the other side of the entire country. But if there's racism or sexism or homophobia, you better believe Washington are going to find their way into that conversation somehow. <laughs> Who else but Washington? <laughs> they can't fucking help themselves. They have to. They're like. Oh, are you guys being prejudiced over here? Do you want if I just I actually love being prejudiced? So if you wouldn't mind me stepping into this discussion, that'd like, be really appreciate. But yeah, I mean there shouldn't be any tolerance to this. Like, I mean, people are like, Oh, what do you mean he's racist? Is like, you know, he's got like black players, black players who have played for him who stand up for his character or you know, obviously Carl Nassib's there, the first openly gay active NFL player. And then people are like, Oh, it's just words. But like, look, let's face it. This is when you see something like this. This is what people. Are, it's a reflection of what people are like, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what John Gruden says to his players and what he says to the media is curated in order to win, right? What he's not necessarily, and we're seeing that he's not necessarily being a genuine person, because a lot of these no. coaches are like, "We'll do anything to win," but they hold like deeply <laughs> offensive and like out of place, like outdated personal beliefs, and I have to believe that there is a lot of executives and coaches across the league who are like scrambling to I mean you can't delete emails once they've been sent but there must be a lot of people out there who have these kinds of views but they just keep it for the basically for the good of their own career right they, mm-hmm. they keep it themselves so yeah I mean we know that people in power are not you know people in power think differently and behave differently to themselves than, than the what they put out there so 
I'm not, I'm hardly surprised. Power amongst other people that are exactly like them. Which so. is why. So the rumor about the the Gruden resignation is that he handed it's in. Hilarious if it's true. He the, apparently he handed in his resignation, fully expecting them to not uphold it. Like <laughs> what, for, them the around, is... for them to turn around and be like, "No, we're fully behind you," and they were just like, "All right, <laughs> yeah. bye, John." I don't <laughs> think I would ever. I just I would ever take a tactical gamble with Mark Davis because the guy's a he's like a maverick. I don't, you don't know what that guy's doing. <laughs> the guy drives like, two hundred miles for the worst haircut in the entire fucking league. Of course, go he's going to be a fucking maverick for a year just to make a point that he didn't want to be there without the fans. Like, I mean, good if that is the case, then good on him because he's showing like zero tolerance. That's all because he's a an, an NFL executive. Maybe that's just him trying to wash his hands of the whole situation, and you know, it's it it's just like it's like a glimpse into like the dark side of this that we all know is probably there, but we don't really like to acknowledge it because it's not really fun and it's not what what we what we're seeing. Like it's not part of the sport, is it? It's it's just part of society, I suppose. So it's just like well, a, I mean, a, as like a... a reminder, an ugly reminder of what what the world is like. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy to have been the team that were able to just beat him and make him cry on his last game ever, as it turned out to be. Yeah, the uh, the final <laughs> game of the John Gruden era in yeah the I'm whole saying, NFL. If we lost and then that had come out, is... I'd have been devastated. <laughs> game finished up twenty to nine to the Bears. The perfect Bears game of scoring exactly 20 points on offense and holding them under 20 on defense. Justin Fields was the starter. Sort of came out of the game like temporarily with a with a little bit of a nasty looking situation. Andy Dalton went in. Justin Fields immediately went right back in. And uh, yeah, they had three roughing the passer calls in well, like one quarter and four seconds of the second quarter. So basically, one quarter. They had three roughing the passicles, one of which was a pretty hefty shove to the ribs. So he uh, had to go off for... I mean, Andy Dalton threw the ball one time, so yeah, not not very long. Just came out for like one series and that was it. But Yeah, yeah. But... It adds to Justin Fields' tough guy credentials, I guess, but it's... It was um, it was a strange one, because honestly, from the looks of it, it did look like they were playing after the whistle. Like, it did look like a couple of them were intentional, especially from Ngakwe, they were, like, intentional bad roughing calls. Oh, yeah, so I mean, I... there was one that I didn't think... Like, there was one that kind of looked like, oh, yeah, honest mistake, that happens in a lot of games. But the other two are... Yeah, they it looked like... Oh, is this, like, a tactic? You... Yeah, they were, giving, they were giving some extra curriculum. Mm. But yeah. I would say, like... <laughs> I will say that Fields does have this habit of making hits on him just look like it's like he doesn't quite have the you know how some players just have like the instinct to take hits and and like Lamar Jackson's a great Mm. example like he doesn't really take big hits but Justin Fields always seems to take massive hits like remember in the preseason against uh, Buffalo and that that was like a dirty hit because it was up high it was up in like the neck head area but he just never saw it coming (laughs) And whenever an NFL player doesn't expect a hit and then they take the hit, you get a brief glimpse into what this sport is actually like. Like, do you remember Brandon Cooks getting knocked out in the Super Bowl because he got hit on the blind side? Mm-hmm. 
I still Sorry, remember this the absolutely um, caused my recording device to the floor. Um, <laughs> Just I'm like sorry, running, but, uh, sorry. But no, I was just gonna say, like, when you see players get hit when they're not expecting it, you're like, "Wow!" <laughs> and they just know how to take hits. And I think Justin Fields needs to work on that a bit because at the moment he is getting slightly pulverized. That's probably the worst though. part of this game, though. Is his blitz pickup? Sorry, Em. No, I was just gonna say, like, I was happy because obviously we had he had like a really hard. <laughs> first start against the Browns like that is not it's hard to start in the NFL period but to have your first game against one of the top teams in the league at that time like that was not an easy game and then kind of like having his second start be against the Lions was sort of a bit of like a okay like let's we're gonna we're gonna go back we're gonna go back home and you're just gonna play this team that you're gonna play a lot and you know, we they're not like that. They're not that good, so you can just sort of build up your confidence a bit. Um, and then the Raiders are sort of like easing back into the world. That uh, I mean, like most people didn't think we'd win, so it's not like an easy game. But it's a uh, yeah. A, yeah. It, I so I felt happy that he managed to like stand up to the test. I guess he's made some good steps forwards with um, the laser show calling the plays for sure, but. The, that fact just reinforces my belief that the Bears just, they're kind of, they, they might be a, like a wildcard team again, but in the long run, they're sort of wasting everyone's time until they get a new coach, because I don't think there's many people left who think that Nagy's like the long-term solution here, or the person who should be entrusted to build up fields, like, I don't really know, he's made a few very odd <laughs> decisions under pressure, so... I don't know. You know, like, what, you know what he needs? He needs his old his old head coach at Ohio State to come in and really, you know, really take him it. under his wing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. Like I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe someone will give Eric the enemy a job or something. But uh, yeah, to me, the, to me, the Bears are probably the best defense in the NFL again. Like they, mm, yeah, I would say so. Like, I think the Browns might have the best pass rush, but the Bears probably have the all-round best defense, and they're going to win quite a few games. They're going to be a, a tough out, but I don't think they can keep up with any team who scores 27, 28 points on them at, at the moment. So, I mean... I they're gonna kind of the will Packers. team score 27 or 28 <laughs> points. They're going to beat the Packers 28-24, aren't they? But... <laughs> <laughs> 24, I, I, I think, is that that's the highest that we've scored in the... In the actual in the season, and it was against the Lions, right? So it was like the highest he scored in the Nagy era. It's weird, though, because like, like, can I also say the last is that he's an offensive maven, right? Hmm. The last two games that we've played, Bill Lazor has been play calling, not Matt. Yeah, the laser show's been in town, and he's let Mm. Justin Fields go. I think it's. Yeah, like that seems to have worked a lot better. Like I don't know if he just understands Justin Fields better and like how he wants to play and what. I think he understands him. how people actually should play the game. More than make Matt make does. him the coach then, because like, yeah, you're right. He he has got Fields. <laughs> Sorry, I'm vexed by this. I'm vexed by that game oh, where Matt Nagy had Fields play as a pocket passer, like prime fucking fucking Ryan Leaf or something. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like, Bill Lays understands at least that Fields is best 
getting out of the pocket because the Bears' offensive line isn't doing the best job of protecting him right now. And, and I think they got another lineman injured in this game. So yeah. when you roll him out of the pocket and you're, you've you got him on the boot, then he's obviously got a bit more time and he, can, he doesn't have to worry about what he's seeing, which is like the hardest thing for a rookie to do is to yeah. detect what, what's coming from these NFL um, defences. So mm. I'm trying yeah. to be cautious because, you know, literal decades of experience has taught me that this will all come crashing down unexpectedly, like, in a week. Well, yeah, fingers uh, crossed, obviously. But, but, um... but the, like, slow <laughs> hope, like, there's been a... I feel, there's yeah, the last few weeks I felt like we're on a upswing. Like, we're we're actually improving. And I'm feeling, like, hopeful. His best throws are already better than Trubisky's best throws for the best. He can make throws. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never I'm, I'm very happy with Justin. It's I mean more of the, the, the organization as a whole. I'm hesitant to be hopeful. But, yeah, I do feel it. He'll be great in that joint, I'm sure. He's making throws to his left. He is. <laughs> and he's, like, running about places. Amazing. Yeah, but actually doing right. it smartly as well. Anyway. Yeah, we should yeah. probably. Oh, um, we should probably. Can I also just those. say that Alan Robinson just needs a moment of appreciation for for Alan because there were a couple of throws that were like overthrown to Alan Robinson. He still just made it happen. So once again, well done, Alan. All right, we've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We've got seven games left. Jesus Christ! Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> We're gonna step through the step on the pedal here. We're gonna go to Steelers at Bron- uh, well against Broncos. Steelers win twenty seven and nineteen. Not very much to say about this other than that this was like this was the game where Najee Harris's box score reflected how well he's been playing. Anyway, there weren't as many like stupid holding penalties on the offensive line, and so therefore he was allowed to actually get like some nice explosive runs that actually counted for something. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I am still very happy with him and pretty much nothing else on our offense. Juju Smith-Schuster has dislocated his shoulder and will miss the rest of the season, so that might be his last game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, just because obviously he's only on a one-year deal. Whether or not his contract stock for this coming off season is gonna be like ridiculous considering sort of how like little production he's had considering that he's like the short yard game um and you really don't want to be losing pieces on your offense right now not really but to to be fair like i think out of every team like who's got a wide receiver four that's even remotely worth talking about james washington is far and away the best like fourth guy to have like he is just another wide receiver three for us so it's fine like he is perfectly fine. The only problem is, is can Roethlisberger build on what happened? The, basically, the play calling was what needed to happen for the rest of the season so far. Ben threw it 25 times, didn't need to do anything else because we went on the run. The Broncos couldn't stop it, and uh, they got beaten. On the opposite side of the ball, Javante Williams had a pretty damn good day, but it wasn't enough. Cortland Sutton had a nice... Uh, second half and it pretty much just sort of ended up in the position that everyone maybe probably expected this game would 
before the first four weeks of the season had been played and everyone saw what the Steelers' offense was going to actually be like. But this was what I was more expecting out of us and also out of Denver this year. So not very much to learn, but nice to know that these two teams have sort of found their potential future game plans or like maybe the Broncos can like go back to their first four weeks or something. Either way, not very much else to add. Anyone got anything of note? Particularly. Yeah. All right. Uh, just nice to get a win. Anyway, let's move over to Max's team. The Green Bay Packers winning 25-22 to in a battle of missed field goals and missed oh, extra points. Geez. Took all the way to overtime against the Cincinnati Bengals. 25-22. to Yeah. Take it away, Max. We had 24 missed field goals this week and f- like five of them in this game alone. Ouch. 20. Yeah. It was a pretty funny game. Um, like, I'm not joking. That's the first game of sport in my life that's actually given me like a genuine headache. Um, I had yeah. to go to bed like pretty soon after because it was just it was killing me. But um, yeah, I think the Packers, the Bengals, really didn't have any business being in the game that long because the Packers got more stops. They scored on more drives. They had more explosive plays, and it was just one of those games where they weren't converting touchdowns into field goals and. The Bengals had plays like that Jamar Chase touchdown where Darnell Savage just like he was like a dog going after a frisbee, but he completely missed the ball and left Chase to just like walk into the end zone right at the end of the first half. That sort of thing shouldn't really be happening. So I'm not that bothered. I think the Bengals are going to be a tough out this year for teams. I don't think they're going to be walkovers, but I also don't think they're going to be consistent enough to be able to spring and they to like for you to be able to confidently say like oh they're gonna have a pretty good chance of being a team like the Packers um obviously Jamar Chase now is probably what would you say he's offensive rookie of the year at the moment I don't think there's much debate over that Um, yeah I think Rondell Moore might be having a word but like oh no I think Jamar Chase's stats are just like a lot better than Moore's although yeah they're both they're both very like freaky athletes and they can make great plays um. Yeah, Mason Crosby missed like what three. three straight attempts that each one would have won the game. Um, yeah. He pulled them all left, and if if you watch the replays, like the Packers protection and the operation on the right side, and Matt Lafleur said as much after the game as well. Like we need to clean up the operation because it's part of it, but obviously you should still be banging them through. I mean, th- that was the side as well that the Steelers got the block that was called back from. And it was also the side where they almost blocked the game winner against San Francisco as well. So um, that's a slightly weird issue to have with your team. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess there are worse issues to have. Um, the Packers won this game without three starting linemen um, and without their two best defensive players. They've got Jalen Smith coming on board. They signed Rizal Douglas off the Cardinals practice squad, I think. So there's a, a bit of reinforcements coming. And I think, I think the defense is playing probably better than they would have with this those plays missing in previous years like Joe Barry's I think Joe Barry's using that two shell defense that the the Rams have been using and I think that can kind of cover up some personnel issues so did you see that I mean Kevin Kevin King went out in this game as well so he's just come back he's gone back already so ouch did that's something see, to look out for to me did you see that um after this 
first five weeks, Devontae Adams, just because he had an absolutely ridiculous day, 11 uh, catches, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he not only leads the league in catches, targets, and receiving yards, but he is on pace for 142 catches, 207 targets, and 1,944 receiving yards. That would be enough to break all three of those records. So, <laughs> yeah, he's like... He's is just that like the for a 16-game season? Uh, well, it's on pace for a 17-game season. But... So, <laughs> record-setting. <laughs> well, no, but yeah. like the record like... would be broken. We're not just going to say, oh, but there's no longer any records. Because for... then otherwise there'd be no fucking 12-game ga- uh, season records. I, I mean... Look, let's let's be honest. Like he's playing like the best receiver in the league, and I think it's um, it's testament to the connection that he has with Aaron Rodgers as well. Like, I mean, Rodgers actually got picked early in this game, looking for Adams. It was a good play by. Oh, um, who's the Bengals' best cornerback? It was Chidobi Awuzie. Uh, yeah. Um, he made a good play on the ball, and I think it was a bit unusual to see that happen on Rodgers targeting Adams, but after that. They were just like running riot, and yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a team in the league really who could stop them. Um, whether we'll they out. get whether they get well, exactly, but whether they get um, the whether they get the uh, like the backup support from the rest of the offense, so it sort of remains to be seen. Jones had a a hundred yard rush, a uh, hundred yard game, but that was. Mostly courtesy to a long run he broke off, so they weren't doing much otherwise. So, yeah, I don't know. I didn't learn much about the Packers. I didn't learn much about the Bengals. The Packers, if they can keep winning till they get Jenkins and Bakhtiari and with a bit of luck, Jair Alexander back, then, you know, maybe they could be cooking with a gas, but they're living in that space again where they're, they're a good team, but they're not a great team. Okay. Let's let's move on. Obaro played well. I do want to say that. Yeah. It was the throat confusion. <laughs> it was super exciting. Uh, my friend Blair is a Bengals fan, and so he was just messaging me like all all evening, just like so everything was in all caps. He was very excited. <laughs> Joe Burrow takes a big hit, doesn't he? He does take a big hit. <laughs> oh yeah. One one a game. He takes one. We think is that going to knock him out of this game? Yeah. And then it never does. I always should have. Like, <laughs> it, it, yeah. it never does up until the point when it did. <laughs> like, yeah. The one where he broke his leg wasn't even really that. Actually, it was a pretty bad hit, wasn't it? It was like a high-low hit. So yeah. look out, Joe. Come on. When he starts running, everyone's like... <laughs> yeah, the whole league collectively gasps. Um, anyway, yeah. I think... I've, um, I've got to go now. But I just wanted to say before I left... That I love the Chargers and I'm very very excited. Oh, we'll, fantastic! We'll Please. wax lyrical about the Chargers, all right? Yeah, yeah. it's been a, it's been a pleasure to have you back, Emma. Uh, keep Bye. safe. Hopefully, we'll see you again very soon. And yes. uh, Ed, are you sticking around for the rest of these games, or I'll I'll hit as many as I can. Okay, let's. Yes, uh... I will be back next week. All right, it's been a blast. We'll uh, we'll see you again sometime soon. Let's move on and let's go down into Dallas, Texas, where the Cowboys curb stomped a very injury ravaged New York Giants, where the big story really for the Giants is that 
Um, two of their main pieces left the game. Saquon Barkley again leaving the game. This time it looks like a low ankle sprain apparently, but his ankle was bad. And uh, Daniel Jones left in a concussion protocol, so real concerning times for New York. But the Cowboys stomped all over them with 44 and 20 points. This Cowboys team is exceptionally good right now. Especially with Zeke and Tony running the way that they are, right? Yeah. Like, that was, that was been the, ever since they came into the league, like, uh, Dak and Zeke, that's been the foundation for them to be a really good team. Mm-hmm. And then be complimented that with Amari Cooper and, and CD Lamb, who aren't even getting as much of the limelight as they were last year, simply because the run game's much improved. So Yeah, and Cedric Wilson yeah. as well. Let's uh, lend a little bit of a shout out. Oh, one, yeah. one catch for 35 yards, but he's been like a very nice additional piece. It's like, I can't find a fault with the Cowboys' offense at all at the moment. <laughs> team building generally yeah it's been a real lesson in like how to turn this sort of sleeping giant franchise into an actual like competitor again this year is anyone willing to give mike mccarthy a bit of credit or uh i'll yeah maybe some credit yeah Yeah. these mojo moments i mean again a lot of mojo moments (laughs) 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 i yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm real. I guess I cannot get over the Micah Parsons thing because I think he should be in prison, not in the NFL. But I, um, I am forced to admit the Cowboys have drafted well recently and are maximizing the talent they have. Because when you think about it, Cedric Wilson should be wide receiver four because they've got Michael Gallup as well. Mm-hmm. So like, it's exciting times to be a Cowboys fan. It's more of the same for the Giants who. It's hard. I can't even remember the last time they fielded all the star power they have. I felt so sorry for them. Mm. Like, I felt, I felt so sorry for them in this game because Saquon gets hurt. It was a weird one after the play. He sort of trips over the ankle and then they cut to the sideline and you see it. It's immediately swollen up. I mean, they announced that it was like a low ankle sprain, right? So yeah, yeah. it's the sort of thing that he might be able to play through in a few weeks, but it's the sort of thing that you assume is going to quite severely hamper him. Dan Dan Jones's concussion was like a scary one. He was so woozy, and you know they had um oh they had a, the Cowboys defensive back was like running over to to like collapse exactly. And yeah, we Golladay left this game. I mean, the, they only had one bright spot in this game, which was the emergence of Kadarius Tony, and then he hurt himself. Was seen after the game on a cart and got ejected for punching guy, but not until he got like. How many yards did he account for in total? It, it was close to 200, I think, or maybe over it was 200. 189. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He was, and he he had one play in this game where he catches the ball facing away from the defenders, and he just like snaps back and turns the other way as the defenders converge on him. He just like pops out into space. It was such a smooth little the cut. awareness to make the play, yeah. If you want to and talk I mean, about we, uh, a trickier schedule, by the way, just to quickly talk about it, the next five games for the Giants. Home v Rams, home v Panthers, at Chiefs, home v Raiders, which may be less in stock now. We'll at Buccaneers, that's that's their next five games. Oh, if they don't have Saquon Barkley for any of those, I think like Mike Mike Glennon came in and he actually didn't perform too badly for what it was like. He put in a perfectly competent performance, but it's the lack of playmakers 
other than that, I mean, yeah, I don't know what the outlook is on Tony or Galladay or Sterling Shepard. Um, at this point, it's probably just going to be Andrew Thomas missed out on the game as well. So mm-hmm. at this point, it's probably going to be too much to overcome. But I really was taken by Tony. Like, it was like, oh, this guy is going to be fun, like, no matter what happens. I mean, he was like that at Florida, but you know who he reminds me of a lot? He reminds me of Dante Hall, the former Chiefs receiver. Um, yeah, he it. just he has just like he his ability to change direction, like foot in the ground and change direction, is very reminiscent of him. So, yeah, I don't know. And Daniel Jones is playing so well, and oh, it's it's such a shame, isn't it? Like, it might be that's probably. I mean, they're three games behind the Cowboys now, so. They're not. They're not catching the Cowboys. They're just yeah. not. They can't keep the talent that they have on the field, and they're not talent rich enough. They and the Cowboys are also it. just far too good as well. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I think yeah. um, for the Giants, I think Joe Judge has shown enough that he'll still be around next year because they were. I mean, yeah, they were playing. Players, I mean, but... you'd hope so. I mean, Gettleman does have a habit, uh, habit of sort of messing everything up in some way or another. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean... I don't trust Gettleman. Well, I don't really trust Joe Judge, to be fair. But I mean, yeah, like like Ed said, the players were playing for him, and they were showing green shoots, which have been unfortunately washed out by just like a pyroclastic flow of injuries. So, <laughs> right, where to next, Timothy? We are going to go to Cardinals against Forty ers They won seventeen ten. They are the only undefeated team still in the NFL. It wasn't quite as comfortable as it has been recently, but they still got the job done against Trey Lance in his first start. And uh, yeah, what does everyone sort of make of this? Because I I was watching the game and I was sort of I was waiting for the Cardinals to to really spice it up, to turn it on, to to give us what we'd been getting out of the first four weeks, and it never came. But they still did just enough. I mean, you could argue it's the mark of a good team to beat your rivals in close games, right? So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing that nothing that Arizona have done yet makes me think that they can't maintain this run of form. But I don't know. I didn't I, I didn't have an amazingly enjoyable time watching this game. It was sort of it was it just on. It was an NFC West like it was an NFC West weirdo palooza. <laughs> just like Yeah, which is weird. in our predictions league I I backed the 49ers because I sort of I foresaw an NFC West like weird game I just didn't expect it to end up in the result that everyone expected you always expect with an NFC West weird scenario the twilight door you've uh, you've got to sort of hope for something interesting happening at some point and this one just went for the weird option of neither of these teams seemed to show up but the team that you expected to win did very strange yeah Trey Lance, when he gets the ball in the pocket, he still looks like he's getting ready to storm the beaches on D-Day, right? He's just looking like his head's like darting all over the place. He's got no composure, um, which will, I mean, you assume that will develop. I, I don't think it's going to take one in-season week for him to be able to effectively install the new Trey Lance offense. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if when Jimmy G comes back, he's still the starter because... He's given them a much better chance of winning. I would say the one thing that I thought from this game, or two things actually, uh, DeAndre Hopkins has been a bit quiet the last couple of weeks. He's been hampered by injury, but at the end of this game, when they needed him to be DeAndre Hopkins, he made a couple of like ridiculous catches. 
And also the defensive play of the week was in this game where the Cardinals just stood up Trey Lance at the goal line. I mean, he was inches away from running in. He's sort of diving down and the Cardinals just go low. I think Isaiah Simmons was first in on the hit. They just go low and they just turn him away. Like It was a bit reminiscent of that um, Chase Young and Joe Burrow collision from last year where it was just like enormous impact. And uh, I don't even know how... Because Trey Lance isn't a small dude, so I don't even know how they managed to do it. So credit to them. I'll go along with that. I, I I do have a soft spot for Trey Lance, so I do want I do think that I'm I want the 49ers to install the Trey Lance and make it sort of start the Trey Lance era. Like I don't want them to go back to the any more Garoppolo. I've seen enough Garoppolo now. Even if it means that they punt on this year. That's my yeah. take anyway. Yeah. He has got all the tools, he just needs to get used to it. Okay. Let's uh let's start to wrap this up. But let's talk about the best game possibly of the season thus far and probably will be a contender right up there at the end of the season. The LA Chargers, a team that we all have found a newfound love for, beat the Cleveland Browns 47-42. to And, uh, well, when you won a game out of your superstar players like Justin Herbert, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, David Njoku, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, just every single one of them going ham and kicking the crap out of each other offensively with beautiful football. This is the game that you're going to want to see. Uh, Justin Herbert had an absolutely monster day. 398 passing yards, four passing touchdowns and a rush as well. It's, uh, It's scary watching that guy play because... He is so phenomenally entertaining on all facets of the game. And it's almost like the league is in perfect hands. Do you remember maybe like four years ago how when all of the old guard were getting really old and we were sort of thinking like, oh, when when is the league going to get like some guy to replace him? And we were looking at Jameis Winston and... and uh, Fuck, I can't Marcus even... Mariota. Yeah, Marcus Mariota. And they were the they were the new blood and it was not going well. And then Mitchell Trubisky the next year and it was, oh no, what's happening? And all of a sudden, you've got Mahomes, you've got Herbert, you've got Murray, you've got Jackson, you've got, I'm <coughs> going to say his name, Baker Mayfield, yep. is at least still... Oh, I thought you were going to say someone else who is going to be the biggest NFL talent uh, to grace the courts of Houston. <laughs> <laughs> what, Davis Mills? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, he'll never. He's a, a good boy. He follows the rules. <laughs> you miss you miss Burrow. I, I mean, well, yeah, I know that's what I mean. Jordan like, Love, the name. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't miss Jordan Love. Sorry, but the league is in such good hands right now. I mean, even the guys that came through this year, there's promise there. Like Trevor Lawrence with a new head coach will probably be the guy that we're expecting. Uh. Obviously, Justin Fields could potentially really start to turn this one up. Trey Lance, if they allow him to sort of develop into getting some game time, he could be a guy. Mac Jones is still the most NFL-ready guy in that whole class. If Zach Wilson gets himself out of being a typical Jets quarterback, he could have promise. There's so many guys right now. The league is stacked with young quarterback talent, and Justin Herbert, for me, 
is uh, he's. I think he might be. I think, I think he might be second in the league right now behind a certain Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. I mean, we can go on to this later, but I think Patrick Mahomes is out of the MVP conversation right now. But anyway, we'll go back to we'll go back to Chargers Browns before I deliver that hot take. Um, yeah, this game had everything except for defense. Like it had everything offensively you would need: turnovers, throws, spills, missed field goals from Tristan Viscano, missed extra points from Tristan Viscano. Like I, I don't know. It was just it was a feast. I would say the listeners. We won't talk about this anymore. Just go and watch it. Yeah. The the Just best thing it. that we could really say is that you know the score. You know that we're going to sit here and talk absolutely endless about it if we could, but we'd rather you just go and watch this game if you didn't get the chance. Uh, 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 like, how many stars were in this game, though? Keenan Allen's star, Mike Williams. He's becoming a star and it's a contract year, so good yep. for him. Uh, Austin Eckler's against a star. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. I mean, the Browns. Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. Derwin James. I mean, the Browns have got quite a few uh, good players. Jok. Oh, Jok, man. I mean, they've got so much young talent. Mm -hmm. It's just, it really, it's like this is why you love the game. It's it's for teams like this. I would love to see this as the AFC. And they're two of the best, like up and coming young head coaches in the league right now: Kevin Stefanski and Brandon Staley. How funny is it? Right? How funny is it? These are two of the best run teams in the league right now. The fucking Browns and the fucking Chuck. The Five years team. ago, you would have been like, no, there's no chance. The Browns and Chargers being like AFC Championship mate, uh, like bait material. What? No chance. The Bills as well as like the other team right up there. And it's like, what? Five years and ago, this wouldn't have well, never happened. Exactly. <laughs> it's really I fucking love the, this um, game. You know what? If you'd, have so- if you'd have told me that, if you'd have sold me this game and you'd have said... Rashawn Slater versus Jedrick Wills. I'd be like, yeah, that's going to be a great game. <laughs> <laughs> you can look at every coming. position category and it's just, it created the fireworks we were all expecting. That's why I pointed it out as our like, main game on fucking, on Friday. Oh, what they a might, game. I might have lost, but um, Baker Mayfield needed this game because mm-hmm. he played, we've talked about it, he played shocking against Minnesota. So he was back to what we expect from Baker Mayfield, which is efficient, if not overly explosive so yeah like the browns don't need him to be stellar they just need him to be competent and like last week he wasn't and maybe he he's not like- been all season but this week he got back to form and look at what happens they scored 42 points against one of the best defenses in the league through the- if he can if he can be a top 12 quarterback i mean dude nick chubb and kareem hunt are two top they're the best one team punch in the league top, top, top top five, top three running backs right now. I mean, they are. Nick Chubb is unbelievable to watch. Like, yeah. it's so good. And I, also, I would say, the other thing that you wouldn't be able to believe from five years ago, this is one of the best uniform matchups uh, in the league right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, the the revamped Browns unis, because like five years ago, like you say, they were... With the Browns and the were, trousers. They were atrocious. And like, the Chargers weren't like anything remotely to write home about, but Every single uniform that both of these teams have is like a good uniform. That's just pleasure on the eyes. I the want Browns this game in the, the playoffs, Browns. and I wanted this game to go on for another hour. The Browns white uniforms with the the brown orange accents on the numbers as well. I, mm-hmm. I love that. I actually love that. 
So what? yeah, go Let's watch it. Let's go. I love the NFL. Yeah, it's just this is the game, right? There's always like a few games. Oh, well, sorry. I said I fucking love the NFL too. There's certain games every year where you just sort of sit back and you're like, "Boy, it's a fucking pleasure that we get to watch this this game for three hours, a, like three hours a matchup." And this is one of those games. I have learned the rules, and it has paid off this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> right, fellas, I am going to have to bounce now. I'm really sorry. Enjoy the enjoy the last few games because they're all doozies, and I will talk to you later. All right, you take it. You take it nice and oh, easy. Yeah. Take it nice and simple. We'll see you on Friday, where we'll have potentially a guest. I'm just waiting to hear some confirmation. All right, see you later, fellas. All right, see you later. We're living up to our uh, like bar theme as well. Just people coming and going. And now it's like it's like last call now. <laughs> just <laughs> left standing, everyone else has gone home. And we're just gonna sit here and talk wax lyrical about great things that we're watching and what a what a time to be alive if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Thirty eight to twenty over the Chiefs, exercising the demons of last year's championship game and Sneakily, maybe the best team in the AFC right now. Four and one. Ever since week one, the Bills have been absolutely unstoppable. Which is really funny that they lost that game to the Steelers. I know. Crap. I don't know. Like the Bills, if you look at their schedule as well, the next like month, there's no reason to think that they won't win every single one of those games. Personally, just, but just to quickly fill absolutely everyone in, because I I don't know if everyone's heard it, but they're at Titans. And then they've got home v Dolphins, at Jags, at Jets, home v Colts, at Saints, which, fair enough, home to Patriots, at Bucks, home to Panthers, at Patriots, home to Falcons, home to Jets. There's the Bucks Who's and the, the Saints, and that is it. Who fancies, who fancies a late January trip to Orchard Park? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I would, but no. that's, what it's, that's what it's saying up to me, and, and they'll enjoy their well i said they'll enjoy their advantage if they get it if it's snowing i don't know because if you're a very pass heavy team their run game with martin singletree hasn't really been what you might have hoped it to be certainly what they would have hoped it to be um i think in this game both teams leading russia was the quarterback i mean yeah for the chiefs clyde edwards alaire went out but he's not been he's had a couple of okay games but he's not really been electric or anything like that so mm-hmm. That's a weakness for me. Yeah, it, this this it's very gratifying win for the Bills. I think they'll be thinking out like, okay, they clobbered some bad teams, but hey, now you do a very good job against you know a mid-table team. <laughs> I guess what you would think is like it, to to like lift the Camarillo roof. You know, picks league. I was the only person who picked the Chiefs for this game because I thought. Well, until I see something different, I'm going to pick the Chiefs at home because that's only a favorable pick. Well, I I saw something different yeah. from the Chiefs. Like more, I think the storyline, as much as it's about the Bills being good, it, it might be more so about the Chiefs being like the worst defense in the NFL right now, and maybe the worst defense in the NFL for a few years. Like I saw a mental stat that was like their their points per drive that they're allowing, nobody is achieved that no offense has achieved that points per drive since the 2007 patriots they've only kept so, one team to under 30 points like the chiefs the and chiefs that was the browns where the it, 2007 patriots they're it, allowing 3.3 yards per drive 
They're just it's it's like the only thing that you can really say about like the Chiefs in in this game is that like even late on in the third quarter when the Bills were up and like they looked comfortable, you still can't ever say that the Chiefs are out of a game because like at any point like we've all seen for the past like four years, Patrick Mahomes will complete a deep pass to Tyreek Hill and immediately like they'll score for 21 points in the space of five minutes like that's who they are but when the defense is this like not just talent poor but poorly coached like i i've thought this for a while i don't even know like steve i don't think that steve spagnola is a good coordinator because a lot of the calls that he makes are so weird but especially with a bad team i think he's making a like bad, like talent poor defenses look okay to average, which he's done the last few years in Kansas City. But this defense is so talent poor and so bad that no, I, I don't, I can't think of a like Bill Belichick himself could not ring <laughs> a, a good performance out of this defense. Chris Jones was out and they were missing Charvarius Ward. Frank Clark is robbing a living. Anthony Hitchens is robbing a living. Dan Sorensen, he got was exposed. Made to look like that literally Dawson Knox put the clown shoes on him and put the clown wig on him. <laughs> he like he in this game basically became the focal point for all Chiefs fans' frustrations. But their defenders, they can't move laterally. <laughs> Here's the problem, right? There's the way I see it, there's four main problems with the Chiefs defense. They can't rush the passer, they can't stop the run, they can't cover, and they can't tackle. <laughs> yeah, like I know that Josh Allen was like the lead rusher and they didn't really do very many rushing attempts but the amount of times that like you'd see I mean Singletary was averaging like 4.2 yards a carry but I think that for his first four rushes he got most of his yards and then got stopped behind the line of scrimmage a couple of times he finished with 25 yards I think he was on like 27 after four attempts like they some of those runs came where he would literally he'd take off and nobody would touch him for 10 yards they can't. They can't stop some of the worst like running backs in the league because they don't have any firepower up front. They don't have any metal about them, and they don't have any fucking ability to get through. Any, they don't have any penetration. It's everything that you've been saying about the Seahawks like front seven, but they don't have Bobby Wagner to like cover for it. And the, the other thing as well, right, is the Chiefs offense has to play perfectly to even stand a chance winning games. And they haven't been. You can see the pressure's getting to them. For another four turnover game, they had one against the Chargers. They had mm-hmm. one against a couple. I mean, Gregory Russo, who I know you and Ed are big fans of this guy. Yes. He made a brilliant bat up in the air and come down with it. Interception. Obviously, they had the pick six from uh, Micah think, Hyde. Micah Hyde, yeah, yeah off yeah. of a drop from Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill got injured in this game. Travis Kelsey got hurt in this game. Joe Tooney fractured his hand on like the first row of the game and played through the rest of it. But for the amount that they put into the offensive line as well during the off season, mm-hmm. um, it's not good enough. It is not good enough. And oh, I don't know um, who's the GM there. Brett Veach has got a lot of credit, but it basically comes down to like three or four players, <laughs> like Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, and Chris Jones, and Tyron Matthew. I would say are their five best players, but when the rest of the offense, like the rest of the fifty-three, is so much worse. 
mm-hmm. they can't overcome it and it's time to start panicking because they're two games behind the Chargers. Yeah. And the Chargers have a tiebreaker and the Bills have a tiebreaker. And the Browns have a... Oh, wait, no. The Chiefs have the tiebreaker no, they, over they the Browns. Out. But they the Ravens have got the tiebreaker as well. I know. I mean, they, they've lost three games, the three teams who we think are probably going to be like dead playoff certs, right? So it's not... Maybe it's not too much about to freak out about, but they're... I think their defence... They're not going to have to pay, play these offences... I mean, they have to play the Chargers again, obviously, but they're not going to have to... It's going to soften up a little bit and they'll come back to something that resembles normal bad and not, like, historic bad. Yeah, I think... They're going to get dumped out of the playoffs instantly if they're playing like this. Well, they're scheduled for the rest of the year uh, at Washington, at Titans, home to Giants. It it does soften up a little bit. Then it gets if real. They lose any of those it games, gets real intense for a team that's like not sure where its O line is right now, and what not sure where its defense is right now, because they've got the Packers at home, Raiders on the road, home to Cowboys, home to Broncos, and then home to Raiders, and then at Chargers, and then that home Cowboys. to and then home to the Steelers, like. <laughs> If they lose, if they lose any games against the Raiders and Broncos, then it's I would say like it's, hit it's game over. Like the, this is the thing. Like it, it almost feels sacrilege to be like, oh, the Chiefs might not make the playoffs here, but like they're two and three right now. They no, are... I think I think from what you've said, I think I wouldn't be surprised if their record is eleven and six or better. Right, I think that they've can do that unless they get it depends what these injuries the Hill and Kelsey are like frankly but I, I think they can probably be I think they probably bury mediocre teams but they're just going to get out dueled by by the 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 cream of the crop frankly. well yeah I think out of everything like I'm I'm seeing here like a loss to the Packers a loss to the Cowboys a loss to the Chargers if they can't get their defense to stop anything at all I think that the Steelers and their pass rush will cause them issues um, the Broncos and and their like mediocre defense, if they can get back onto where they were for the first three weeks, could get there. The Raiders have potential I, to split one of those games. The Bengals aren't exactly like pushovers this season, as we've proven, and they play them in January. If they should be like, despite what you said, they should beat most of those teams. I expect them to give the Packers one hell of a game, for example. Um, but. Ah, oh, jeez. If if they, well, they would have to go ten and seven or worse. So they would have to go eight and four the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. If they do that, then it, it, it's almost time for like a mini rebuild, right? Yeah, they definitely need to do something. Um... Like, how are they gonna? Like, I don't know. How are they gonna amass draft the the draft capital they need to? I don't know. It's 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 a challenge. Like the. So Brett Veach is like it's time to earn it because they've missed on a lot of draft picks as well and free agent pickups. So yeah, all right, let's uh, let's wrap up out of here and let's finish off with an absolute corker on Monday Night Football. The Baltimore Ravens coming from behind and beating the Indianapolis Colts in overtime, thirty-one to twenty-five. And uh, this was this was a day for Lamar Jackson to say the least. Four hundred and forty-two <laughs> passing yards. 37 for thir- uh, 43 on his like completions. You know, that's four the, touchdowns. That's the completion percentage of any quarterback who's ever thrown 43 passes. I, I, it doesn't surprise me if I'm being honest. It's absolutely ridiculous. He had a phenomenal game. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a bad game for the doubters, the Mar Jackson doubters, because he he threw it really well. Like, mm-hmm. granted, look, I'm I'm a believer that the Mar Jackson isn't as bad a thrower as people think he is, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's uh, in like the top tier of people who throw the ball. But his ability to run as well makes him a real weapon. But mm-hmm. Mark Andrews has an absolutely enormous game, and yeah, the Ravens who. You know, oh, the Ravens aren't built to play from behind. Overcame priests. What it was like a twenty-two to nine or something like that. Yeah, it was uh, twenty-two to nine going into the. Well, they had twelve minutes left in the fourth quarter. That was, exactly. and they, they did. I mean, they got, they they did get some help because, um, Hot Rod Rodrigo Blankenship suffered a hip injury in warm-ups, and he missed. A couple of kicks in this game. He also um, had one blocked as well, which uh... keeping in the tip of the theme of the weekend. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you have to give the Ravens credit because they really turned it on when they really had had to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colts. <laughs> I think the Colts season might be over now at one on four. Like yeah. they put up a pretty valiant effort in this game, and like that Blankenship injury was unfortunate. I mean, they had. Did they have the punter attempt to kick in this game, I think? Um, they had Rigoberto Sanchez. Yeah, I believe so, because I think... Oh, who was it that was holding for him? There was some... Uh, I think it was Naeem no, Hines was holding yeah. for him. <laughs> when you see a running back holding for the punter to take a kick, you're yeah. like, it's going to be difficult to overcome that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just scoring a lot of touchdowns. And... I yeah, actually, I know, to be fair, like, I know that... The their season's over at one and four. They are hopelessly shit on now because of basically how the whole year's gone. But if I'm being completely honest, like I don't think that they played a bad game by any stretch of the no. imagination. Like Carson Wentz, Wentz had one Wentz of his had best games. Game. He had he accounted for four hundred yards. Exactly. I mean, and Michael two Pittman touchdowns. I mean, one of a hell of a lot of their yards also came off of that. Like little screen Jonathan pass Taylor. to Jonathan Taylor who went an absolutely ridiculous game 116 receiving yards 53 rushing yards two Honestly, touchdowns ridiculous when Jonathan Taylor was at Wisconsin the knock on him was like uh, he doesn't have elite NFL speed you tell that's the Ravens who were trying to chase him down on yeah. that play he left and he did it a few times he like broke big on a few like pretty decent runs and the annoying thing for the Colts is their season's over but I don't think that their running back by committee is a bad thing. Like Taylor Mac Hines all had like good solid games and they made it work because Taylor was able to stay into the game deep because of the fact that they had Hack uh, Mac and Hines Mac, take. Mac had a few nice plays in this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what actually I'm thinking about the AFC South and the Titans are the front runners. Even at one and four, I don't know if we can in order to have a chance of winning the division. The Colts now need to go eight and four or well, better the rest of the way. Well, their if schedule nine and nine and eight. Their schedule softens up a lot, but they, they have they had a, be bad teams. they've had a pretty poor run so far. But they they get the they get the Texans next week. They get the Forty ers on the road where they might not know what they're doing. They get the Titans who are a little bit iffy at home. Home Those to the Jets, are... home to the Jags. Okay, at Bills, home to Bucks, they're both going to be losses. But like, they get the Texans again. They've got the Patriots. Cardinals is going to be a loss. Raiders, they don't know what it's going to be like after Gruden. 
and then they get the Jags again. Like they could easily sneak a fair few wins out of this, but I I still think it's a little bit too out of out of reach. The AFC is so so strong uh, across the board, mostly from the NF- uh, AFC West and I think it's like I think the AFC is really top heavy because I think you've got like four elite teams or five elite mm-hmm. teams and then the rest of them is just kind of like dross to me like I'm not really buying um, anyone from the AFC South not really buying anyone in the AFC East and North other than the Bills and Ravens mm. the what AFC about West the Browns? Is... oh yeah the Browns yeah don't <laughs> forget the Browns and I'm not being funny but the Bengals aren't exactly like pushovers I don't know. Like, I think the Colts versus the Bengals would be a pretty close game. Yeah, but like that's that's kind of what I mean. Like the Colts are probably going to be in quite a few games, but not not win many. And um, yeah, I think they're. I don't know. I think they're just a bit. I don't exactly know what's. I don't. Can you think of like a single thing about the Colts that like you can put your finger on it and say that's the problem? Um. Not They're really. Not like enough. again, they didn't. I don't think that they had a bad game. Like Michael Pittman had a fantastic game. Mo Ali Cox came up big. Paris Campbell came up pretty big at points in this game. Like I say, exactly. the running they backs had, they did had well. So many big offensive performers, but they still only scored twenty-five points. I think they don't have they don't have the finishing like sharp edge that they need. Like they're not ruthless hmm. enough. And I would say the other than Darius Leonard, there's nothing to write them about. I would say their secondary is a little bit is a little bit more shaky than I was expecting it to be. I don't think that Xavier Rhodes has played well. They've got Andrew no. Sunday, who's always good for like at least two deep passes every game. Um, they uh, the Ravens scored a pretty big uh, touchdown to Marquise Brown on a Bo Peep kicks. Uh, sorry, Bo Peep keys slip, and it's like. Yeah. If you were going to pick any position that's like bad for them, it's that because their linebackers are good. Darius Leonard and Bobby O'Connor. Yeah, Rock Justin's okay, isn't he? But he's not. Yeah, exactly. He's not a lockdown guy. And that's what I mean. Like, their secondary, I think, might be their issue. But I think it also did, like you say, not help at all that Rodrigo uh, Blankenship was kicking hurt. And my final point for this game is that. As per usual, I'm going to stop doubting them now because the Ravens always have a pass rushing stud. Because Odafe mm. Owe had another great game, yeah, and he's he looks like the real deal. He should, and they yeah. always have one guy in Baltimore. It doesn't matter. He'll be off the team in four years, and they'll have another one. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's he's just this year's Matthew Judon for them. Exactly. So Zadarius Smith as well. It doesn't matter. They've always got someone there. Exactly, and when you've got like Calais Campbell up the middle, like it's fine. You can get away with it. So, but yeah. I think, like, again, this one's another one where it's it's just a really, really good game, and if you've not had the opportunity to watch it yet, then I'd say so. Like, one thing that I do just want to quickly just talk about from, like, a not a game-specific thing, but how many of the, like, marquee primetime games have actually been really good this year? Like, usually, like, if you look at, like, last year's rundown, I can name... A couple that were pretty good, and then the rest were like fine, and then there were some like absolute howlers, like most of the Bears games that were in prime time last year that they kept getting put in. That was like stinky territory, and the Steelers yeah. had a couple like at the end of the year against like the 
depleted Ravens, and it was like a COVID off between the two sides, and neither of them played well. And it's like they've re- they've really hit on which games are gonna get like good prime time so far. So keep it up, NFL. I'm enjoying talking about it. But let's uh, let's wrap up. We've had a lot to discuss in this one. It's gone for a fair while. Managed to get Emma back involved. Max, thoughts on whether or not you're going to be here on Friday? Uh, Offset week, I can't make any guarantees, but I'll try. Okay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. We hopefully will see you again very soon. And uh, keep it light and keep it light and breezy. We'll be back. Keep it light. Point. Keep it. <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll be back at some point over the weekend. But thank you for listening. <laughs>